You may ask, how did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with the Radio Media. And we'll spend the next hour talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. That phone number, if you want to get through, is 844-999-9249-844-999-9249. Or you can email us at letstalktorah at gmail.com. And uh, in a few minutes, we'll talk about a fascinating email that I just received, well, just a couple hours ago. The holidays are now behind us. I hope you enjoyed your holidays, celebrated the holidays, checked out someone's sukkah, got to dance maybe with a Torah scroll on a Simcha Torah. Really a wonderful, fun holiday. Children with lots of candy, family, children, grandchildren. It was just fantastic. And my wife was happy that everyone came and happy to help everyone uh, out the front door so she could clean up from the, um, I would never say disaster, but uh, from the hurricane that came through the house. So I want to tell you about two fascinating things that happened just this morning. Um, One is I get an email, and I'll call him a friend, an acquaintance from many years ago in Detroit. He's since moved, we'll say, somewhere in the southeastern part of of the United States, not a majorly Jewish town. And his friend that he was very close with is no longer alive. He had a rabbi very close to he sends me an email, and he says, Rabbi, what should I do? I, uh, I'm not happy in the temple I'm in. Uh, I don't really have friends there. I don't feel spiritual there. I feel more spiritual when I'm praying by my desk, listening to my kids in the background. What should I do? So first I told him, I said, great question. I'll get back to you later. So if he's listening, he'll hear my answer. If he's not listening, I did email him an answer. But it's a, an interesting just to to think about it, take a step back, that that we've just finished the holidays, certainly the high holidays. Many, many people are looking for some type of spiritual uplifting, feeling, something to take away from the holidays. I myself, look, we're, we should all be that way. I, I look at it as a process. We, we start with Rosh Hashanah. And we're we're making God king, and then we're we're praying for forgiveness, and that's Yom Kippur, and then we got the Sukkot holiday, where it's just a joyous holiday. It's sort of like I've cleaned up my mess, I've made myself a better person. Now let me and God, let's just enjoy the holiday, and that's really how I felt throughout the holidays, even though the rain um, did chase us out of the Sukkah, unfortunately, more than once. But you feel for the holiday and then the dancing, and it's there must be something psychological about it. But we're repeating certain phrases. When you have these songs that you sing and you're dancing in circles and you're just singing the same lines over and over and over, and it takes 
takes time to become uplifted. And that's how I look at the day, the whole day of Simchat Torah for me, and it's a whole day. In other words, we prayers are in the morning, go home, get a quick bite to eat, come back, and really dance for hours. The same thing the night before, uh, evening prayers, start dancing, go home a little bit, come back, dance again for hours. It's just that wonderful, close friendship feeling and, and spending the time saying, this is my time, I'm going to get like uh, uh, sink into my, uh, my closeness with God and then get ready for the year. So when a person feels disconnected, he doesn't have anyone he's connected to, not a, a rabbi figure, not someone to talk to, not a synagogue, not a temple, not a minion, it becomes a problem. It's really a sad thing. So I actually told him on email, and I'll tell him live here, where we are friends, we go back. I say, no, that uh, here I could take you out once a month for, for lunch. We could study. Um, it's a little harder when you're far away. So I said, you want to do phone? I, we could talk once a week, once a month, study. We could Skype or, or FaceTime for those with Apple phones. Or I did mention, I guess, tongue-in-cheek, but uh, he could fly in once a month and we could have pizza, even though pizza is not officially part of my diet anymore. But... I'm sure I could uh, figure something out for the pizza. but And then I told myself, but uh, that may not be enough. In other words, I'll give you spiritual, I'll give you religious, I'll give you Torah, but you got to be part of your community. So what part of the community? Join a JCC maybe, go to lectures, go to classes. It becomes an important question because just to pray behind my desk, I can assure you, even if it works for you, is not working for the family because they're younger and they need a connection. They need that Jewish connection. Again, here in Detroit has so many amazing ways of connecting, whether it's Partners in Torah or Next Gen. There's all kinds of wonderful, beautiful programs. Again, where the city he's in, I don't know the dynamics so well. I don't think it's like Detroit, which is unfortunate. But um, that was some of my ideas I threw his way. And it doesn't mean all of you can find my private phone number and call me to get an hour of private time whenever you want. You could try. I'm not sure how much time I have, but uh, we'll take it where it goes. So that was one fascinating um, starting point today. The next thing was really quite beautiful. Uh, a, a child that I taught, I don't know, uh, 12 years ago maybe in my class. So he's getting married, I think, in the next week or so. I say think because I didn't really pay attention because I'm still in mourning. I'm not going to weddings. Um, so I come to my box at the end of the day, and there's like a little, you know, those thank you envelopes, you know, with thank you cards and stuff. So I open it up, and there's a nice long written note um, thanking. He, he wrote this note to all his previous teachers. M not all, but many of his teachers were in the school I'm in, and we taught him, and I remember him, a wonderful boy. He just wanted to write a thank you note before he gets married. Sort of like, you know, I, I was a child and I became a teenager and now I'm an adult and, and I'm studying and I'm getting married, getting ready to build my own family. So I'm sure his parents encouraged this idea. It's very much up their line. But he wrote a beautiful thank you letter. And by the way, put in a small little check as a as a thank you but a token amount not not real large amount nothing to write home about um the check yeah it's uh, you know by the time i buy a slice of pizza the check is gone but 
but the note itself is what I'm holding in my pocket because it's something nice. It's, it shows appreciation. It shows gratitude, which is one of the topics we will try very much to get involved in today to talk about gratitude or, unfortunately, in this Torah portion, we're going we're gonna to see um, a lack of gratitude or ingratitude, if there's such a word. Uh, we're going to talk about that. Certainly, the, the Torah, the first Torah portion, Beratius, the creation of the world. We've got to talk about the creation of the world and snakes and forbidden fruit. And again, gratitude we'll talk about. Maybe Cain and Abel will get into some great trending news. Of course, my style trending news. And I, I actually decided this week I couldn't help it. I'm going to go a little bit off what I'll usually do for my kind of trending news. And that is with all this stuff happening in the news these last couple of weeks with the Kavanaugh situation, I'm not going to get into politics. Trust me, you know that's not where I go. But I will give you as a one of my one of my Steves would say, Rabbi, what's your take on this Kavanaugh issue? And I'll give you my take, but not in this session section. Uh, section what do I call it? segment? That's it. Not in this segment. We're going to do that in the third segment. We'll get into that, and perhaps Rabbi Jonas and Goldson, when he comes on, will have his take on uh, the Kavanaugh situation because that's usually up his line. We'll see. Okay. So let's get into, for the first couple minutes before I hit my first break, let's talk about this week's Torah portion, where, again, the holidays are behind us. I don't have to talk holidays. I can really delve into the Torah portions. So I wanted to start with something almost before you even start, like in the beginning. So you need to know like this. The Torah is a law book. The purpose of the Torah is for God to tell the Jewish people, um, what are their requirements? What does God want them to do? If you don't tell me how to act, if you create a world, and we're going to talk about that, if you create a world and create people and animals and fish and birds and, and, and just the whole ecological system, if you put me here, God, you put me here for a reason. So there's, there's a manual. There's an instruction book. What do you want me to do? If you don't tell me, I will not figure it out on my own. Perhaps Abraham did. That could be debatable. But, but as a regular human like me, I would not know what to do without clear written instructions. Great. So the Torah are those clear instructions of how I'm supposed to act and what I'm supposed to do with my life. I get that. No problem. So, but then the question becomes, so who cares? I asked my class a similar question today on something else we were studying. Um, it's very beautiful. God created the world. What was created each day? Stories with Cain and Abel. Snakes. Very interesting stories. But the Talmud could tell me all those stories. What we call the Midrash. I could get the stories elsewhere. Why was it important for God that the, that the beginning of the Torah, which again is my manual, my instructions of how to live my life, why are all these stories important for me to have written as the written Torah? Look, it's called the written law, oral law, written law. Why is it important to write this whole story? Again, for those not so familiar with the story, just a over very fast overview. Um, in the beginning, God created heaven and earth and light, and he saw it was good. And then the, the second day, he's going he's gonna to separate uh, the heavens and the earth. He's going to create angels. 
And then the third day, we're going to separate the water and the, not we, God's going to separate the water and the land, and we're going to have grass and trees. And then the fourth day, the sun and moon are put into place. And, and the fifth day, we're going to have birds and, and fish are created, six-day animals and people, and then the Sabbath. <clears throat> Great. Now you know um, what happened in creation. But again, I ask you, who cares? I mean, not who cares. We care. But why is it important for the Torah? So there's actually two famous lines of thought. One we'll call Rashi, and one we'll call Ramban, and many others, and that's Nachmanides and his, uh, his group. So Rashi says, very fascinating. Uh, in Hebrew, it's Koach Ma'asav Higid La'amo, meaning the strength of his power he told his nation. So Rashi says very clear, almost the first Rashi. He says, why does the Torah need to start from here about the creation of the world? Start with the commandments, which is later in the, in, in the book of Exodus, where we start getting the commands with the Passover and, and the new moon. So he says, if there will ever come a time, I guess we should have this like sort of printed for the UN. If there ever will come a time where people will say, that the Jewish people stole the land of Israel because other people lived there earlier. God says, I created the world. I set up the boundaries. I decide who lives where. And I said the Jewish people get the land of Israel. Therefore, Rashi says, the purpose of telling me God created the world is you need to know God created the world. If you Again, we're going to get into you do believe, you don't believe. Why should you believe? We'll get into all that stuff, I hope, as my time is ticking. But, um, but let's, let's start out accepting the fact that God wrote the Torah, God created the world. Once we're accepting that as a fact, so now God says, and I say the Jews get the land of Israel. Again, simple without getting too deeply involved. Um, the revelation by Mount Sinai, where there were millions of Jews, no private people had dreams to say God spoke to them, but the whole nation saw the Christian world believes the entire Torah is true. The Arab world or the Muslim world believes the Torah is true. Again, they want to say God changed his mind. No problem. Well, that's a discussion perhaps for another day. But between the Jews and billions of Christians and Arabs, so billions of people are all in agreement that God gave the Torah to the Jewish people. And in the beginning of the Torah, God says that the land is mine, and I'm giving the land of Israel to the Jewish people. That's it. Therefore, Rashi says, that's why the Torah had to start with this week's Torah portion, Bereshis, and not start with laws. That's Rashi. The difficulty with Rashi could be that that's good for the first chapter in this week's Torah portion. But we got so many other stories, the flood and Abraham and and the binding of Isaac and Jacob. We got a lot of stuff which would be fine in the oral law just as easily. Why is that to be written? So therefore, Nachmanides has an additional or another reason why the Torah had to start with Bereshis. For those of you out there into philosophy, I am not one of those people. But if you would be into philosophy, real philosophy says it is impossible for a person to talk to God. Whatever philosophers believe in, but and this was something certainly quite uh, 
prevalent in the 1400s, 1500s, uh, and Arab countries a little bit earlier. Real philosophers say a person can't talk to God. There's no such thing. That's number one. A second issue is the philosophers believe that God is so far and above. He created the world, put it on uh, cruise control, and said, uh, you're on your own. That means that God may have created the world, or God created the world, but he could care less what happened, and therefore the concept of reward, reward and punishment don't exist. On that, Nachmanides, the Ramban, explains that's why we need the Torah to say God created the world, but not just created the world. He created the world, and he continuously creates it and watches what goes on and controls what goes on. For example, you have the flood. So God speaks to Noah. So you see God speaks to people. right? God speaks to Abraham. You see that God talks to people. God knows what's going on because he didn't like the way the world was going. And there's reward and punishment. Those who were wicked, which was the whole world, by Noah, they're all destroyed. Noah's rewarded. Noah survives. Abraham recognizes God. God talks to Abraham. God punishes, for example, Sodom and Amorah. And, and Abraham was rewarded. He's given promises. He'll get the land of Israel. His children will be great. And the, he'll, they'll be like the stars, like the sand, all that stuff. So Nachmanides says the reason we need all these Torah portions is for our basic belief system. We need to know that God cares about the world. We need to know God rewards and punishes people in the world. We need to know that God will speak to people. That's all the prophecies. That's God talking to Moses. All, all those things are necessary to understand how God runs the world. So I got a little bit into the Torah portion, or it touched on it. My music is now playing, so we have to take a break. So hold on through the break. We're going to get more into snakes and forbidden fruit and gratitude and ingratitude. So hold on, and we'll be right back. The audience for over-the-air material is shrinking as more and more of us demand to see and hear what we want, when we want. Advertising on... with a little technical difficulty. If you heard some dead sound, sorry for that. A little problem with some of the um, advertisements. I'm sure they're working hard in the back to make everyone happy. So we're back a drop earlier than usual, which just gives me more time to talk about what I love to talk about. So let's let's move along. So we, we talked about Rashi and Ramban, why the Torah has to start with his Torah portion. We quickly went over what was created, 
Um, let's uh, fast forward. Day seven is the Sabbath. The Sabbath, God stopped creating. So I saw very interesting. Again, you can figure it out. We're not going to take the time now. But three basic things were created every day. For example, the first day is the heaven and earth plus a special light. So three things were created every day. On day six, there were six things that were created. Got to have the right number of fingers here. Six things were created. And, um, and that's because that on the Sabbath, nothing was going to be created. So we had to go ahead and, I guess, double down. So you had double on Friday and zero on Sabbath. Sabbath is what we call the day of rest. It represents, it signifies that um, God stopped creating. He made the day holy. Rashi also brings down that the day is holy, that in the future other things will come down on Friday because the Sabbath is holy. That's the manna the Jewish people ate in the desert. They got that on on uh, Friday double so they wouldn't collect or prepare on the Sabbath. So keeping the Sabbath is a sign that, that God created the world. A person who keeps the Sabbath is showing he recognizes that the world was created by God. Six days work, seventh day, no more creation. So I shouldn't get confused when I'm watching this screen doing all kinds of funny stuff. No, they say, except I love when I see my clock there. So, but otherwise, fine. We'll figure it out. Anyways, um, as an interesting side note to think about, so the Jews keep Sabbath on Saturday, right? In other words, the world was created Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, or the Sabbath, is the day the Jews keep the Sabbath. I'm not sure why um, um, Christians keep Sunday. So I'm not sure why that became the day of rest, unless maybe they think the world was created the first day was the Sabbath. I'm, I'm not sure. And Muslims are Friday. That one for sure I don't get. So I have no idea, but I just have to worry about being Jewish. I don't have to know all the other religions. Maybe one day someone will call me up and explain it to me. But okay, so that gets into the Sabbath. A lot of things, though, happen on day six. So the first man, Adam, is created. Um, his wife, Eve, or Chava, is a part of Adam's, you say, rib, side, whatever you want, is, is taken off, and Chava is formed, so he has his wife. And Adam, or Adam, has one command. Don't eat from the tree of knowledge. I'm sorry, the tree of life. Tree of knowledge, the other tree you can't eat from. So he's not allowed to eat from that tree, and he makes a mistake. He tells his wife that not only did God say you can't eat from it, you can't touch it, that leads to the snake going along and pushing Eve or Chava into the tree. He says, see, you can touch it. God doesn't want you to eat it. If you're going to eat it, you're going to become like God. So she was enticed. She eats from the fruit. Now she realizes she's in trouble, like I guess any good wife, that she's afraid she'll die and Adam will marry somebody else. She goes to Adam and convinces him, eat from this fruit. They immediately go into a panic. They realize uh, they don't have any clothes on. So they go and hide. God makes his way into the garden. He doesn't want to surprise them. That usually doesn't help people to be surprised with, I gotcha. So instead, God wants to create a conversation to give them a chance to say they made a mistake. So God uh, he makes his voice heard. Uh, Adam, Chava, where are you? And 
Adam says, I'm over here, I'm behind this tree, or I'm hiding. And God says to Adam, why are you hiding? What are you, what are you hiding from? So Adam says, I, I, I don't have clothes. I, I, I'm embarrassed to walk around without clothes. Now, as an aside, uh, that means that Adam understood. Once he ate from the tree, so the world was now going to be a different world. It went from good and bad, pretty much black and white, to true and false. So that was like a major shift in the dynamic of the world. Now is not the time to prove that, to get into that dynamic. But certainly we went from good and bad, which is black and white, it's either good or bad, to true and false. But a person, a, a, a person who looks at himself as a person, cannot walk around naked. You cannot walk down the streets with no clothes on. You have self-respect. So Adam, even though there's no one around, it's him and his wife. But self-respect says, I cannot walk around without clothes. So he says to God, I have no clothes. So God says to Adam, who told you you don't have clothes? I didn't tell you. I didn't even tell you it was a problem. And it wasn't a problem at first. When did it become a problem? So then God says, again, to try to lead him on to say he made a mistake. He said, God says, perhaps you ate from the tree that I told you not to eat from? Is that a possibility? So uh, Adam says, yeah. But then he, he, he blows it. He ruins it. He says, the woman you gave me, she gave me from the fruit. So immediately, instead of taking responsibility, Adam wants to shirk his responsibility. I mean, it was true. His wife did give it to him, but he's blaming her. Not that he's going to get away with it, mind you, but that's his at least intention. So God says to Chava, to Eve, I, I told you not to eat. She says, the snake made me do it. Again, not really taking full responsibility. Thinking somehow that if I blame the source, it won't be so bad. So interesting enough, God does not ask the snake, why did you do it? Without getting into all the the, the um, different concepts that the snake either is, represents a different kind of the evil inclination, you say devil, we don't use the word devil. That word we've talked about before, we're not discussing that today. But the snake had an easy out. The snake should have said, God, you say, you the master say, don't eat. I'm the student, I say, yeah, eat. What are you listening to me for? Listen to God. You shouldn't be listening to me. So there's a very interesting rule in the Torah, and it really comes from here. And the rule is that if you cause someone to sin, we don't accept any excuses. Even though the snake, again, has a very easy answer. Who told you to listen to me? You should listen to God. That doesn't fly. A person who causes others to sin... We're not looking for any excuses. We don't, get, we don't let the person give excuses. That person is very guilty. So the snake's punishment is he lost his legs. He's going to now slither on the ground. And it says his food will be dust. So I asked my class today. It came up a few times, actually. I said, why is that a bad thing? What's wrong? It, it, certainly some explain that everything tastes like dirt. So if everything tastes like dirt, like I told my class, if everything tastes like chocolate, and of course a boy raises his hand and says, 
milk chocolate or dark chocolate? So I decided to say dark chocolate. I said, what if everything tasted like dark chocolate? Chicken, vegetables, avocados, tuna fish, steak. It all tastes exactly the same. Well, then it doesn't really matter what you eat anymore, does it? So the steak, too, it doesn't really matter what he eats because everything tastes the same. So why is that a punishment? So there's a fascinating thought. For this alone, it's worth listening. Everybody wants the opportunity to talk to God. That is a privilege. When we pray, it is a privilege that God says, please talk to me. So, so that privilege, you got you to gotta earn that privilege to have the right to be able to talk to God whenever you want, to turn around, be in your car, things are yeah good, things are not so good, and to say, God, can you help me out here? Can you help me out there? That is a privilege. That is an opportunity. To the snake, God says, I don't want to talk to you anymore. I never, ever want you to talk to me. I am giving you a food supply forever. You will never be lacking food. You got dirt. But then you can't talk to me. That is... Really, if you think about it, is the greatest punishment. For a parent to say to a child, I'm going to give you an, uh, like I feel sometimes with my kids, you have an unlimited credit card, unlimited, but you can never, ever talk to me again, that's really a terrible punishment. That's terrible because that, I want my connection to my parents. I want my connection to God. You take that away, what's the money? What value is there? Fine. So uh, Chav has her punishment, uh, child-rearing and childbirth, and uh, she's subservient to her husband, and uh, Adam, man, is going to have to work now instead of just going to trees, taking fruit and vegetables and everything being served to him on a silver platter. Now he's got to work. Those are the, the basic punishments, but, but let's go back for a second to think about what Adam does wrong here, what Adam and Eve do wrong is they, 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 they had a chance to take responsibility. And who knows what the world would have looked like if uh, they would have done, they would have repented properly when they had the chance. And I was ready to tell you afterwards, oh, you should have taken responsibility. Okay, now I'll take responsibility. Now I'll be a good person. It's too late. You lost your chance. So Adam had the opportunity to show gratitude and, and he lost his chance. He said, it's, it's my wife's fault, which is really a tragedy because who knows what the world would have looked like if he would have known to fix it. Now, interesting, he does try to fix it. So maybe he fixed it a little bit. And that was the name he gave his wife. Now, Eve, I don't know, I guess it's a funny way of pronouncing Chava. I'm not sure where Eve comes from. But the word Chava, the Torah tells us, means she is the mother of all living beings, right? We're all descended from Adam and Eve, or Adam and Chava. So he wants to, he says, look, I made a mistake. I showed a lack of gratitude by blaming my wife. I got to fix it. How will I fix it? I will, by, whenever I call her, whenever I say her name, I say, Chava, what's for supper tonight? Chava, oh, life. She's the one that creates life. For everyone, she is that mother of all living beings. So whenever I say her name, I remember that as a person, I must show gratitude. Um, I'm sure it worked to a certain extent. We do find, by the way, other places. Moses keeps the name Moses because that's a symbol of constant gratitude. 
So I guess he learned his lesson, but unfortunately, not when he should have. And here comes the music, and we're going to take another quick break, and hopefully the audio will be up for the break this time. When we come back, we got to get into some fantastic trending news. We got to maybe get into Cain and Abel a little bit. So hold through the break, and we'll be right back. You're listening to Rabbi Tzvi on Let's Talk Torah, and we'll be right back. Maple Lane Golf Club is a 54-hole golfing treasure located in the heart of Sterling Heights. Maple Lane Golf Club offers immaculate greens, a top-flight pro shop, and inexpensive green fees. For convenience, book your tee time online at maplelanegolf.com. Come out and enjoy a great golf experience. Try our 9 and Dine special, 9 holes of golf, and enjoy food and refreshments in the Clubhouse Bistro. That's Maple Lane Golf Club in Sterling Heights. Check us out at maplelanegolf.com. Advertising your business these days can be challenging. Traditional radio and TV ads are expensive and, frankly, a bit of a crapshoot. Not to mention, the audience for over-the-air material is shrinking as more and more of us demand to see and hear what we want, when we want. Advertising on new radio media is a solution. With our live streaming programs that are also available on demand, your message is always ready when your customers are ready to watch and listen all for a fraction of what you'd likely have been paying for other ads. NewRadioMedia.com. Call Buzz Van Houten at 248-939-9999 for more information. Hey, you guys, it's Raphael of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. Guess what? The only thing we can get down here in the sewer is Geektainment Weekly on New Radio Media. Turtle Power! Hi, I'm Art, and we're the crew at Tuffy Walled Lake. We've been in Walled Lake for 20 years, and through our knowledgeable staff and customer satisfaction, we've become quite the cornerstone in our community and to our discerning customers statewide. We know how important your vehicle is to you, and we take pride in our impeccable, affordable service, and we're trying to get you back on the road as quickly and safely as we possibly can. Please stop in and see why everybody comes from all over to get their car serviced at 784 North Pontiac Trail in Walled Lake. And we're back. Oh, and I haven't heard this music for a while. I like that music. Okay, so continuing in this week's Torah portion, got to get ready for our trending news. Before I get into the trending news, a little Cain and Abel. Um, Cain and Abel are Cain and Hevel. Those are the two children born on that six on that first day. By the way, that was the idea of nine months of pregnancy happens way later. In the beginning, it was it was immediate. It's not, you don't see that so clear in the verses, but that's how the commentary is explained, born right away. And you have these two brothers, and you have to keep in mind, they were, veg- they were vegetarians in those days. Till after the flood, man does not have permission to eat meat. However, in any case, um, Hevel, or Abel, he becomes a shepherd. I guess he'll get the milk and the wool. And Cain, or Cain, he is going to plant flax and other crops because they're thrown out of the Garden of Eden because they, at least, Adman Chava ate from the tree, from that tree of life. So, um, so one chooses to be a farmer, one is a shepherd, 
And about 50 days or 50 days in, they, it's really Cain's idea. Cain's idea. He wants to bring a sacrifice. So he takes flax. Flax is really linen. So he takes flax plants and he brings it as a sacrifice. Hevel likes the idea. And uh, you've probably seen people like this. One person comes up with a beautiful idea. He's just not so good at, uh, at bringing out the project to its best. So the guy who comes behind manages to do it better. So Hevel or Abel is going to bring his sheep. That's a much better sacrifice. So why one? Why Cain didn't want to bring a nicer sacrifice? Why Hevel is like rubbing his nose in it a little bit to say, that's a sacrifice, I'll show you a sacrifice. In any case, God accepts Hevel's sacrifice. That leads to much friction and fighting between Cain and Abel, between Cain and Hevel, and Cain eventually kills Hevel. Okay, we know the story. Then God comes to Cain and says to Cain, where's your brother? And Cain thinks God doesn't know. So he says, am I in charge of my brother? And God says, his blood is crying. Fine. So what's fascinating is the fight starts with sheep, which is wool, and linen, right? That's the flax plant. So it's very interesting that um, one of the commandments are we are Jews are not allowed to wear a linen wool mixture. Now, for the most part, when you go buy a wool suit, you I, I don't want to say generally, usually there's not linen mixed in. That's not how we make clothing. It's true you still have to be careful because there's sometimes patches or or other things in the in the shoulder pads or or other areas of the jackets where there could be linen mixed in. But generally speaking, full-blown what we call shotnays, a combination of wool and linen, doesn't really exist. What's fascinating, uh, that's how we make clothes nowadays. We have polyester. We have other things to strengthen our clothing. In those days, um, if you ever go to any of these museums, I went to, years ago, I was in the Henry Ford Museum. So they actually had a house where they had one of those looms, you know, where they, where they, you know, they pick up the, you have the, I can't remember, weft and who knows what. But you have the strings that go the long way. They pick them up and down, and you, you have your shuttle. You throw back and forth. Well, it turns out in those days, the only way that clothing had strength was you had wool in one direction and linen in the other direction. That gave a real strength to the clothing. So I thought that was just fascinating that when the Torah talks about we don't combine wool and linen, that was one of the better ways to make good clothing was to have that combination. So because of that original fight, we don't have that combination. But what's interesting, what's interesting is that the high priest did wear a combination of wool and linen because the high priest is someone who's responsible to bring peace to the Jewish people, to bring peace to the world. He's responsible for things that happen in the world. If there isn't peace in the world, he's going to be considered negligent in his duties. Um, he can wear wool and linen. He can wear wool and linen because he has the ability to take the things that fought and create peace. So it's just something uh, off on the side that's really quite um, fascinating. But we must get to my trending news. So I don't know what I should do first. We'll do Kavanaugh first. Again, you know me. I don't have patience for politics. I don't want to hear politics. But what would be a, a, a rabbi's take on what's going on? So I can tell you my take. My take is, and we've talked numerous times, that there's something called slander or lush and hara, that we don't gossip. 
the power of of gossip is amazing. You say something nasty about a person, you destroy that person's life. Doesn't mean that in courts, of course, yes, if somebody does something wrong, two witnesses, by law, one witness can't come in and say what somebody did was wrong because, again, that becomes lush and horror. Now, I'm not even discussing people should say, people shouldn't say, they should investigate, shouldn't investigate. I could care less. I'm not interested. But one thing that I think is, is, is just really horrible about the whole story is, is this lady, I'm sure she's a good lady, I don't know her at all, I never met her before, so she writes a private letter to a senator, and that senator allows the paper to be made public. Now you're destroying people. There was no reason for that. If... If the information there is something that needs to be checked out, no problem. That's the Senate's job. Whether they have their detectives or the FBI, go search, go research, go behind closed doors, forget the cameras. What are cameras doing there? Why is it public knowledge for the newspapers to tell me all the, the innuendos they did, they didn't, now we're fighting, they did do it, they didn't do it. We've, the, the, we've managed, no matter what happens at the end of the day, You've destroyed a couple families from slander, from gossip. That is what troubles me more than anything else. Again, the Senate has a right to investigate. The Senate should investigate. Why are we investigating in the newspapers? Why are the newspapers the ones that are even better sometimes at investigating than others? Let the FBI do their job. Let the police departments do their job. If the reports come back, and today I guess they're reading the reports. If the reports come back that he's a rotten fellow, so get rid of him. If the reports come back that she's lying, so deal with it. But why did everybody have to be dragged through the mud? That's the, the horror, the, the, I say the word disgusting. That's what happens when people think there's nothing wrong with slander, with libel, when they think it's open season because who cares and it makes me look better as a politician or whatever makes you look better, who cares? That's not how the Torah wants you to talk not how we discuss people. Again, if there's things that we have to find out, so go research. If they're, if they're not good people, do it privately. You know, I almost wonder sometimes, if all this stuff is behind closed doors, I wonder how much more the truth will come out. What's true is true. I won't grandstand. I won't. There's no benefit in me making up a story because no one's going to know. So that would be my take on the trending news, and again, I tell you, you know me, I'm not a politician, I don't, I don't go for this stuff, but I, I can't ignore it, it's in the news, I'm stuck. But now for the real good stuff. Here's the important news of the week. First of all, um, I didn't ask Drew, but he probably knows, here it is. Um, did you know that there's a new Ferrari coming out? You heard about this? It's called the Manza, the Ferrari Manza. They are making 499 of them at the beginning at $1.85 million. However, um, important to know, you can't go to a Ferrari store and buy one. You actually had to be called. There was some lottery, and they informed you that you're number one, number 16, number 412, number 385. If you choose, you can have this Ferrari. So I'm a little bit not so happy I did not get a call, not an email. Um, I don't think I'm on that list of 499, and my kids are not so happy. Like, w w like, why am I not on the top of that list? 
So I don't know. So as a shout-out to Ferrari, whether I want your car, I don't want your car, it's certainly not convenient. One, one driver, for sure, am I going to do it. I have a whole carpool every morning. Two people, again, not so convenient, but at least I deserve the courtesy of being on that list. Um, that's number one for important trending news. See, this is much more fun than, than political stuff. Okay, next. Next very important piece of news. This has a Jewish take. There was a, um, you know, if you're following the news with NAFTA and trades and treaties, you know, we're so busy with all the other politics, we forget the important things happening with, um, with uh, President Trump forcing new trade agreements. So Mexico and Canada, America are working on a new NAFTA. There's a whole new word for it. I have no idea what it is. But it seems in Canada there were some issues about where they were as far as the meeting, and, and they again, they were not happy with how the meetings was going till someone saved the day. You know, with all these meetings, what do you think they're eating already? Potato chips, soda. Somebody had a brainstorm. They said, you know what everybody needs? They need a Jewish brisket. So somebody delivered to the Canadian, whoever's in charge of the treaty stuff, they, uh, they brought in some real food. Right in time for the holidays, a nice Jewish brisket. And wouldn't you know, after everybody eats and everybody's full, and it happens all the time. There's a reason why, why big business meetings are, are, are concluded over lunch. Because when you're at lunch and you eat, you feel good. You know, even my own kids sometimes, they get grumpy. You know why they're grumpy? They're hungry. Either overtired or hungry. When you feed people, they feel good. They're happy. And what happens? Now we can make a peace treaty. So whatever happened in this Canadian-Mexican-American treaty, we will blame it on a good Jewish brisket. I don't know if you've had brisket. I myself am so confused. First cut, second cut. My son likes the first cut. We like it fattier. We like the second cut. The tip of the roast. I don't know what all these things are. But at the end of the day, a good Jewish brisket is important. Another important piece of trending news. And... One more important piece of trending news. Um, I guess we'll call this a public service announcement. I did not know this. But over the last six years, do you have any idea how many people died from taking selfies? There was a recent one in Michigan where there was a lady, I can't remember from where, maybe California. She was in the Upper Peninsula. She was like 200 feet by a waterfall or something. You didn't hear this. You see, you're looking at the wrong news. That's why you got to listen to me. So she, um, she was taking a selfie, and she fell off the cliff. And unfortunately, she died. So, and Alyssa's laughing. I don't know why she's laughing. I don't know if she saw this in the news. I have no idea. But in any case, um, so as a public service announcement, um, there were over 250 people who died taking selfies. So please be aware that as much as you want to take the picture, and I tell my son, he takes, he's in Israel now, and he goes different places, and he sends me scenic pictures, and I say, I could care less about the picture. I would like you in the picture. All very good, very important. But if you're going to take a selfie, right, be careful. I mean, people die for all kinds of reasons. There's, there's things that happen to people. That's life. Things happen. Unfortunately, things happen. Look, my father died almost a year ago. Things happen. People die. I know. But why should you have to put yourself in a situation where you could have been safe? No reason for that. So, again, as a, as a public service announcement, 
please, please, if you're taking these selfies by these crazy waterfalls or these, or these beautiful scenes, understand that people have died. It is dangerous. And therefore, they forbid these selfie sticks in all kinds of places. But here comes my music. When we come back, we're going to be joined by Jonas and Goldstein of Ethical Imperatives. We'll see his take on the latest trending news of what's going on. So, again, hold through the break. We got our stuff up and running properly now. You're listening to Rabbi Tzu. Let's talk Torah on New Radio Media. And we'll be right back. The latest LiftMaster garage door openers and the toughest retractable screens on the market, all by the push of a button. Tarno Doors is celebrating its 50th year anniversary and is the recipient of the 2016 Subcontractor of the Year from the Home Builders Association. Tarno knows doors. Tarno knows doors. Hi, I'm Art, and we're the crew at Tuffy Walled Lake. We've been in Walled Lake for 20 years, and through our knowledgeable staff and customer satisfaction, we've become quite the cornerstone in our community and to our discerning customers statewide. We know how important your vehicle is to you and we take pride in our impeccable affordable service and we're trying to get you back on the road as quickly and safely as we possibly can. Please stop in and see why everybody comes from all over to get their car serviced at 784 North Pontiac Trail in Wald Lake. Maple Lane Golf Club is a 54-hole golfing treasure located in the heart of Sterling Heights. Maple Lane Golf Club offers immaculate greens, a top-flight pro shop, and inexpensive green fees. For convenience, book your tee time online at maplelanegolf.com. Come out and enjoy a great golf experience. Try our Nine and Dine special, nine holes of golf, and enjoy food and refreshments in the Clubhouse Bistro. That's Maple Lane Golf Club in Sterling Heights. Check us out at maplelanegolf.com. Hi, I'm Andy. And I'm David. Join us for fun and adventure on our new show, Pod Clusters, where we fight through imaginary battles and pray to the dice gods for good rolls. Yes, it's an epic sleeping adventure. We try to fulfill our destinies without driving the Dungeon Master crazy. I thought that was the point. Anyways, check us out here on NewRadioMedia.com Fridays, Pod Clusters. See you there. Because I'm all about that roach, about that roach, Hashanah. I'm all about that roach, about that roach, Hashanah. I'm all about that roach, about that roach, Hashanah. And we're back. And even though that music is entertaining, entertaining, I forgot. That's my Rosh Hashanah song. We got to put that in the other folder. But um, after taking a leave of absence, being busy preparing for the holidays, we are again joined by Rabbi Yonison Golden of Ethical Imperatives. Yonison, how are you today? Uh, Baruch Hashem. How are you, Rabbi Good. Enjoy the children. Yes, it's always a pleasure. Yes, and now we enjoy getting back to the real world. So, as always, um, waiting. The clock is ticking. Go for it. Okay. Well, after Adam and Eve sinned by eating from the fruit of the tree of knowledge, God confronted them with the question, What have you done? Adam said, The woman gave me to eat. Eve said, The serpent convinced me to eat. Both of them were telling the truth. Both of them admitted their guilt. But each of them tried to deflect responsibility onto someone else. And they were both punished, as much for refusing to take responsibility as for the sin itself. 
if you listen to the news these days, particularly the shameful circus of the Supreme Court nomination hearings, it's easy to wonder why we still haven't learned the first lesson ever taught to human beings. You can't excuse your own bad behavior by pointing to bad behavior in others. We all make mistakes, and God expects us to make them. He created us imperfect so that we can devote our lives to the work of becoming better, of striving for perfection, even though we know we're never going to reach it. That's what it means to be a human being. With the high holiday season behind us, our job now is to hold on to the commitment we made to become better people. The more committed we are to doing so, the more we will hasten the world's return to the pleasure and paradise that Adam and Eve had and lost in the Garden of Eden. Did I lose you? No, I'm done. Oh. <laughs> I got it. No, sorry about that, Yonison. I love it as always. Um, have a great Shabbos, and I hope to see you next week. Very good. Thanks, Jason. Very well. Be good. I don't know what happened, though. I think usually he signs off on something. I have to check. Okay. Moving along after that important piece of information. See, he didn't even want to say what the politics was about. He couldn't handle it. I know the feeling. Anyways, we, of course, are ready for our letter of the week, our word of the week. Jake, are you ready? Jake is ready. And I got his name right, so then it's going to work. We're up to the letter Samoch. A Samoch looks like a circle. Yeah, a little fancier, some things hanging on it, but it's a circle. It is a has that S sound, like a circle, even though circle is spelled with a C for whatever reason. But it is an S sound. Its numerical value is 50. And I thought an important word this week is seder. Seder means order, that everything goes where it belongs, everything has its place. I find out things do have its place. You know, I, I take books out of my bookshelves. I put things in certain places so I know where they are. My wife cleans them up and puts them elsewhere. So when I needed to study with one of my children, so I know where I put the book, but it wasn't there. And I asked my wife, I said, she gets nervous when I say this. She says, when everyone says to her, do you know where blank is, she gets nervous. Because usually it means she cleaned it up. And again, these books she won't throw in the garbage. But when people are looking for stuff, they blame her for cleaning up um, everything, which she does. So the house is clean and orderly. But, you know, who looks in the right spot for stuff? So, of course, it was back on the bookshelf where it belonged. So that's the idea of Seder. So it reminded me of a story. I tell this story at the beginning of the year to my class. Even though the year's been so strange with all the uh, holidays, I didn't get to the story yet. So the story is told, oh, now I remember the word, of a Russian soldier. He was actually what's called a cantoonist. The cantoonist literally means they were grabbed. There was a period of time in the, I think, the mid to later 1800s where they would take Jewish children into the Russian army as young as, officially, you know, 15, 16, but as young as 9 and 10, and keep them in the Russian army for 25 years. The purpose being that 25 years in the Russian army, there'll be nothing left of your being Jewish. That was the plan behind taking these children. And again, it lasted for, I think, around 50 years. It was a terrible time what communities did with these children, who they took, who they didn't take, pull, we don't want to get into that. So um, anyways, one of these cantoonists, one of these Russian soldiers, finishes his tour of duty, comes back, gets married, has a Jewish family, and uh, every night he went to the rabbi's lecture. 
So, but his wife would say to him, you know, if you knew how to study, if you understood the rabbi's lectures, okay, so I'm fine with that, no problem. You can go to the lecture. But I really could use your work at home. And you don't know a word he's talking about. I don't have complaints. I don't worry about it. I understand the situation. Why do you keep going? So finally, she takes her husband to the rabbi and says, Rabbi, please let my husband explain to me why he must go to your lecture. He doesn't know what you're talking about. I need his help at home. So the rabbi says to her husband, you know, we appreciate you're a special person. You were in the army for so many years. You stayed a religious Jew. But why do you come to my lectures? Says rabbi, when we were in the army, in the army you had to know the entire Russian royal family, the Tsar, the Tsarina, the prince, it is. So I am in God's army. I'm Jewish. I want to know God's army. Who are all the great rabbis? Rabbi Akiva and Rabbi Gamliel and Rabbi Noah and Moses and Aaron. Who's God's army? I want to know. That's my Seder. That's my order. Who's in God's army? That's the least I can do. As I listen to you talk, I file away every time you say a name. But you're right. I really don't understand the word you're talking about. And that brings our, our day to an end. We had a great show. We learned lots of stuff today. We packed it in. No interviews today. But as always, we got to say goodbye. Thank you to our wonderful sponsors and listeners. You know, I couldn't do it without you. Thank you to my wonderful production team, Drew, Jake, Alyssa. I hope I've left you with some food for thought. Until next week, I'm Rabbi Sweet Jacobs, and you've been listening to Let's Talk Tony Radio Media. And until next week, don't forget to think about it.